Now I'll tell you, I need to be honest is every Dominican of the East coast province that's listening to me right now uh, thinks that I should probably be denounced to a, a, a ecumenical council and probably burn at the stake. Hey, hey, how's everybody doing? It's glad to be back. It's been a minute. How are you doing, Dende? Are we live? Are we live right now? Oh, yes. Nasseri Great, Magister uh, Basarian. He will be here. Wait, Dende, I hear a little playback on your end. Huh? So I'm just gonna oh. I'm just gonna mute you real quick. Okay, yeah. So I hear a little playback on your end. I'll unmute you a little bit later. So yes, Basarian will be here. So we're gonna be going over a video that was posted on Reason and Theology. Fa- Father Caps, I keep saying his name wrong. I'm sorry. I just got into the already got into the rhythm of saying your name like that. Much apologies. You can call me Wagner if you want, uh, even though my last name's Wagner. So it was on Reason and Theology, uh, Father Caps talking about beatific vision. Um, and then the uh, Franciscan Palamist view, the, some things about St. Thomas, as you saw, Dominicans of the East Providence, uh, Province want you uh, denounced an ecumenical council and, <laughs> and burned at the stake. I don't, I don't think I'll be saying that, but uh, I just want everybody to remember before we start that uh, we are all laymen. Uh, uh, Father Caps is a priest. I don't want to see any of you guys um, being rude to him uh, because he's a priest uh, and if you have a good examination of conscience before confession, one of the things you'll see under there, under I believe it's under the First Amendment, First Amendment, First Commandment, is that uh, speaking against the church's ministers is something that you would have to go to confession for. So remember, uh, do it charitably in in all humility. But again, I do think this is a serious error, which is why I'm doing this stream. So I will unmute Dende and see if he's fine. How are you, Dende? I'm good. Hello? Is is it bad? Is it still, like, playing, like, hello? Can you uh, hear me? I can hear, yeah, I can't hear myself anymore. Oh, wait, nope, never mind. I still can. Rip. Back to the mute. I guess Dende's just going to be, Chef Dende's going to be muted the whole time. Okay, so we're waiting for Basarian. We're waiting for Basarian right now. And I have my notes up right now, and I'll pull up the video. So I guess we'll do some do some work while Basarian's gone. Get ahead and stuff. Magister Basarian is live, but somewhat robotic. Where are you, Basarian? Byzantine Thomist? Oh, Magister Dende. Yeah, well, that's, that's just the playback coming from, coming from me. So... Let's look it up, Reason and Theology. And I actually want to do responses to each one of these clips, because I do think Paolism is extremely dangerous, and and that the history of the theologians of the church have recognized that and have denounced it as something which is heretical. So I do think it is a very big issue, and this isn't something where I'm making a mountain out of a molehill. Okay, Dende, we're going to try again. Hi, Dende. Hello. Is, is it still playing back, or can you actually hear me now? Okay, testing. Hello. Uh, I actually don't. No, I don't think I hear myself. Okay, you're good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do a based and red-pilled maneuver. I'm going to put my phone on my bed. Does that remove some of like the playback? It, it does. Okay. 
Okay, so why don't you just have him on? Um, I, I didn't think of asking him. I didn't think he'd want to be on my humble little militant Thomas channel. But I guess I mean if he's open to it. Um, I'm very, I'd be glad get Basarian on here and have a little nice chit chat. Bro, no. <laughs> okay, so do mushrooms freak you out? No. These yes. Ones. But it's no wonder she's gonna get it. <laughs> Okay, so let me see what I got in my notes. So the first, we're going to start at about 2.50. Two minutes and 50 seconds. Let's hope Magister Basarian is here soon. Okay. So I think there's kind of three issues that I want to cover here, and then Basarian's going to have his own stuff to cover. More about the Franciscan tradition. I can still hear myself, Dende. You might need to like go on and off. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Fair. No, I'll I'll, mute, I'll do mute, that. Mute. Like when I'm not talking, I'll just like uh, mute my mic. Okay. Okay. Based. Byzantine Scotus is a Giga Chad. That's who, so true. Okay. So yes, the three things I want to go over. So first is the idea um, about the magisterial teaching on the uh, the, the object of of uh, the beatific vision so so what we see in the beatific vision that's really what the what, what this whole video is about and then the second one is going to be uh specifically uh the use of intuitive in benedictus deus because very significantly um i i don't think it's it's at all proving what the caps is saying that it's proving and then third uh this is where basarian's gonna gonna shine right here but the, the claim that the Franciscan view of the object of the beatific vision is somehow different um, in that the Franciscan tradition uh, didn't still condemn um, as heretical the Palam's, uh, Palamite view of not only the essence energies distinction, but also of the beatific vision, because it's explicit in, in some of their best manuals. Isn't the original video a little old? Yes. Full videos with Yabara, uh, Lofton, Albrecht. Yes. Okay, is, do you have anything to add, Dende, or should we get right into it? Um, can you can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Um, well, I mean, if I'm being honest, um, I'm not exactly sure uh, just how much Father Caps. I mean, he he he's been to seminary, so I assume that uh, he has read a bit. But he, he seems to, um, as far as I can tell from uh, some of his writings and some of the videos that he's done, but he seems to kind of not only like say that uh, the Franciscans and Palamites are like holding to a teaching that is so similar that they don't like consider one another heretical, but actually like it all, it, it actually seems to be like he, he kind of thinks they're one in the same uh, i'm not sure exactly how similar he thinks they are uh be, but like he'll he'll go and say like well the thomas believe this and they'll condemn the easterners for believing uh opposite of them but they would also have to like condemn the franciscans which is just not true but he kind of seems to equate like the view of palamas with the view of uh, like the Scotists, which is a bit odd. Um, 
Yeah, no, that's that's about all that I would add. You you covered it pretty well. Okay, okay, good. So, um, okay, there's some fun. Is the video public? Yes, this is a public video, in case you were wondering. So, I guess we can get right into it. I'm going to make sure I turn it down to normal speed. Yes. Okay, closed captioning for us boomers. And let's get on. And Aquinas... So what does that mean, essentially? We can't speak with the same terms. We can't speak with the same terms. What are we saying with beatific vision? Well, Palamas is not going to deny that the energies are essential. Essential. So essence is a, is a noun. It's a substantive. And it means the, the God stuff, right? The, whatever it is that's most God- that's what we mean by his essence. And then if we talk about things that are essential to his essence uh, or ideas or notions or realities that are essential to his essence, you see I'm switching there from the logical to the, uh, to the metaphysical. But uh, if, let's, let's talk about essential items or essential realities or essentialia, as we might call them in Latin. Um, what this means is an essence can be rich enough where there can be realities in it, which are co-existent, that is co-inexistent, that is that they come penetrate, kind of like dye penetrates water and you can't tell where the water and the dye are different. So an energy compenetrates the essence and it is contained, so to speak, in the essence. And so you can't really divide the two. So if, if Palamas were to say something like, uh, I see the wisdom of God, but I don't see the essence of God. He is seeing the essential wisdom of God. So to that extent, it is a participation in uh, an essential reality of God, but it's not a participation in the fullness of God, of how he sees himself, his infinitude of being. Uh, we can understand wisdom, because that can be uh, shared with us in a finite mode. Uh, and so what, what we're saying here is that the way that the Palamite discussions go in some quarters, in some quarters, is to admit that um, everything that is said uh, about God's energies is said about essential energies, never things that are separate from the essence, but are uh, contained within, uh, co-infant with, uh, realities that are uh, inseparable from the essence. Uh, now, we're not satisfied with that uh, in some Western quarters because we want to say that uh, the essence and the so-called activities are so united that if you see the essence of God, you see all these, uh, what can be said of, of, of these activities, you just see them as one simple whole. That's simply not the theory that's adopted by Palma. So how do I summarize then Palma's position? Um you can see essential realities that are not divorced from God's essence. They are essential realities in God's essence. Is it the same as seeing the essence itself? No, it is not. Is it a participation in divine being? It is. Can we make sense of it in the Western tradition? The Franciscans, of course, did. Um, do, uh, does the West, by and large, when they talk about the beatific vision today, any of that in the background of their minds or in their discussions? No, they don't. By and large, the, um, 
Thomistic narrative and a more stringent Franciscan narrative uh, uh, seem to be a very diverse language from what Palamas is doing. Now, what I will say is this. Okay, so I'm going to stop it right there. So, oh, Versarian left. Okay, he's back now. Hi, Versarian. How you doing? Hi, I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing beautifully. So what, what we're going to do in this, this first part is we are going to be talking about whether the magisterium and the tradition of the theologians requires that we um, can speak of seeing certain uh, essential notes, as he describes it, um, essential energies or essential objects, or whether we have to say uh, that, yes, uh, we see the essence of God in the beatific vision through the Lumen Gloriae. So that that is that's kind of the first part. And I have some I, ha, I do have some notes here because uh, in Catholic theology, there's a distinction. And to explain the, the question at hand uh, with with the object of what we see in the beatific vision between what's called the primary object of the beatific vision, which is seen directly, primarily, simply. And that's the divine essence. So uh, Florence describes this. They see clearly God himself, one in three, as he is in himself. And then there's what's called the uh, secondary object, the beatific vision. That's what's seen accidentally, indirectly, virtually, secundum quid. Um, and that's all of creation because God, as a uh, cause of all creation, uh, contains in himself uh, empty, um, all that exists. So uh, in, in seeing uh, the, the beatific vision, we are able to. Uh, have a certain knowledge of all of creation. That's actually how uh, the intercession of the saints works, is that's how saints in heaven are able to hear our prayers through uh, having the beatific vision. So there's an interesting political point for you. But So the, the question at hand is going to be of the primary object, the beatific vision. That is uh, what we see directly, primarily, and simply. Whether it is the total essence, or as uh, Father Cap says, the uh, the energies or uh, essential energies, as uh, as he wants to say. So from, from Florence, which I just quoted, uh, again, they see clearly God himself, one in three, as he is in himself, as he is, uh, is implying clearly uh, the essence of God, and even includes uh, that we see the relations, that is, that, that God himself, one in three, is what we see. And then in what they're going to bring up later, which uh, I think this is a uh, this is a huge, huge mistake, even bringing up Benedict, uh, Benedictus Deus on their part, because if you just look at Benedictus Deus and just control F um, divine essence through that thing. And it is it is um, it, it is a lot of uses that, uh, for example, um, those after the death of Lord Jesus Christ have seen and see the divine essence by intuitive vision and even face to face with no mediating creature serving in the capacity of an object seen, but divine essence immediately revealing itself plainly, clearly and openly to them and seeing thus they enjoy the same divine essence. And also that from such vision and enjoyment, their souls, which now have departed are truly blessed and they have eternal life and rest. And also the souls of those who afterwards will depart will see that same divine essence and will enjoy it before the general judgment. And that's such vision of the divine essence, and then so on and so forth, using essence a, a lot of times. It is it's plenty of times. And then also, um, in the later magisterium, uh, under Benedict XIV, the Greek view 
uh, which is which he is describing Palamas's view, is actually condemned um, by Benedict the Fourteenth. So, quote, that man, too, would betray his ignorance of ecclesiastical history, who did not know that the union with the Orientals, that is, uh, the, the Easterners, confirmed that they would accept the dogma of the procession of the Holy Spirit from the Father and the Son and add to the creed the word filioque, that they would admit that both leavened and unleavened bread was matter for the sacrament of the Eucharist, and they would accept the dogma of purgatory, of the beatific vision and of the primacy of the Roman pontiff, in a word that every care was taken to overthrow all errors opposed to the Catholic faith. But there was never any question of causing harm to the venerable Oriental Rite. So we do not want to cause harm to the Oriental Rite. That's not what we're trying to do. We're not trying to cause harm to the Eastern Rites. Uh, we're completely fine with that. What we're concerned with is uh, bringing in substantial errors against uh, certain defined dogmas of the faith such as the seeing of the be, uh, the divine essence of the beatific vision. And then uh, further, uh, when you see uh, later magisterial teaching on uh, our Lord's beatific vision that he had, it teaches that our Lord in the beatific vision knew all members of himself, which can only be known uh, through the divine essence, as Pope Pius XII taught in Mystici Corporis. Uh, for hardly was he conceived in the womb of the mother of God when he began to enjoy the beatific vision. And in that, all the members of his mystical body were continually and unceasingly present to him. And he embraced them uh, with his redeeming love. So it's kind of um, from from conclusion, we can reason back to the premise. The fact that there is those secondary objects of the beatific vision, there has to be, they have to see that divine essence uh, where, wherein there is that, there is that uh, causing of their existence. So also, if we look at the at the schoolmen, among the schoolmen, there is absolutely no debate on this issue. And Bessarion's going to bring this up a bit uh, a bit later. But there is no debate on this issue. All affirm that the object of beatitude is the essence, attributes and relations of God and that it um, and that it is contained in revelation. So this at least uh, reaches the note of theologically certain, uh, which I would actually say is being a bit light. I think it's higher than theologically certain when it comes to the theological note. Because... Uh, actually, if I could, if I could interject here, I actually believe the STS uses uh, that it is of the of the Catholic faith. Yes, yes, uh, I was about to get to that because some say theologically certain, but um, the STS uh, ta, ta, I can never pronounce his name. Um, how do you how do you pronounce his name? T N T A N Q U E R A E Y Tan Quere. It's like such a weird name. Uh, and then also Ot, uh, they give the note of De Fide. Um, to to the idea that the object of the beatific vision is the divine essence, so the opposite of de fide uh, is that is that term heretical. So to deny um, the seeing of the beatific vision is at least an error in theology, which would be against um, something which is uh, theologically certain. But uh, I, I actually myself would lean more towards uh, the idea expressed being heretical and against something which is de fide. And then uh, while this may seem a bit radical, uh, if you look throughout the, the manuals uh, explicitly over and over for, for actually for centuries, uh, even before this, ever since uh, ever since we knew about Palamism in the West, um, the quote Palamists of the 14th century are are listed as adversaries of this thesis and are condemned as uh, being heretical. And an example is found in Father Lagrange's commentary on Prima Pars. He said, quote, 
but particularly the 14th century Palamas denied the possibility of the beatific vision, maintaining that the divine nature, as it is in itself, cannot even be supernaturally seen by the created intellect. And further in the STS, quote, Palamites uh, are hesychasts, Greek separatists in the 14th century, so named from Gregory Palamas, and from the semi-quietist contemplation, which they advocated, were finally condemned of heresy by the Orthodox, which I have no idea what they're talking about with that. They taught that the saints in heaven do not see the divine substance, but only a certain splendor, indeed uncreated, but distinct from God himself, and similar to the light that surrounded the Lord in the Transfiguration. This error is attributed also to the Armenians in the document, um, Iam uh, Dudum, of Benedict the Twelfth, uh, also in poll, the heresy of the Palamites is condemned. So this is, uh, as I'm as I'm just referencing sources, this is something which is universally, uh, even in in something as late as the 1950s, which would have been the the SDS was in the 1950s, and then if I'm remembering correctly, Father Lagrange was writing in the uh, 1930s when it came to his Summa commentaries. So uh, and then poll was used up to uh, Vatican II, um, Ott, obviously. Uh, all, all these guys, th this isn't reaching back to random 18th century sources. This is early 20th century, mid 20th century even, um, that these that there was a clear understanding of the heresy of Palamism, which included, um, which included their uh, doctrine of the Beatific Division when it came to the specific object of the Beatific Division. But uh, there is a debate um, between the, the Thomas who professed the essential object of beatitude was God and that essential object of beatitude this is going to be important because everybody agrees on the object of beatitude. But uh, when it comes to the essential object of beatitude, uh, which is a debate between the primary and secondary. So the Thomas say as God is one in three. That is all attributes and personal relations. And then others who had the primary and sufficient object uh, be the essence of God abstracted from the relations. The person's being considered as the secondary object. And then the SDS uh, gives everybody's views. So um, according to his essence, leaving to one side his relations and at the same uh, either without his attributes, as Scotus seems to think, as distinguishing the attributes from the essence or according to the attribute of goodness, as Medina seems to think, or according to any attribute apprehended perfectly enough, according to Ari, Ariaga, or with all his attributes according to Suarez and Pesh. So, so really there's this debate um, over what is the uh, primary, uh, sufficient, and essential. And it's really a debate over sufficiency uh, that, that, they're, that the medieval scholastics uh, get into. Um, this, but everybody is going to agree that when we see the, uh, when we have the beatific vision, um, that that God, His essence, and relations are all included uh, somehow, whether they are primary and sufficient or as secondary objects in the beatific vision. And this seems to be uh, what we'll get later on. What the debate that Father Caps is misunderstanding, uh, he is totally misunderstanding this debate as as uh, as as thinking that Scotus is denying. Um, that we see the relations. He, if you read through the, uh, read through the, I think it's um, in the first book of his Ordinatio, Distinction Three, Question Two, if I'm remembering correctly off the top of my head. Uh, if you if you read through and can understand what he's saying, uh, it is clear that he's talking about what the sufficient and essential object is, not whether, uh, not questioning whether it is an object or not. These are just some of the weird questions that uh, that some of these guys will get into, uh, but. Uh, Father Cap seems to be misunderstanding this. So that is that is what I have. Uh, any comments from either of you two? Should I talk about the letters? 
Yeah, yeah. Go go ahead if you want to talk about the letters. Yeah, cool. So, um, well, I'm Bessarian from Twitter, and a, a while ago I wrote a, a thread talking about uh, Palamas and Catholic theologians because um, I was talking to an Orthodox on Twitter, and then he claimed that no Catholic theologian or respectable clergy had ever claimed Palamism is heretical or leads to polytheism, which is, which is ridiculous. So I wrote an, an entire thread listing a lot of theologians that I could remember, um, scholastics and, and from every school of thought that um, condemned Palamism. Um, and my, this, this thread that I wrote was not a thread about an opinion that I have. I was not defending a point of view. I, wa I was defending a, like, I was just explaining a fact that, that Orthodox didn't get, that um, Palamism um, has always been condemned as a heretical view of God by every Catholic theologian that commented, um, that talked about Palamas or, or his, his view about the beatific vision or the essence energy distinction. Every, every Catholic theologian that talked about this condemned it as heretical um, among the scholastics, right? Um, so I, I compiled a lot, of, a lot of theologians that talked about this and, and posted this thread on Twitter, right? And then a friend of mine sent this thread to Father Caps, and F Father Caps he tried to respond to my thread. I, I honestly don't see why he would be responding to my thread because my thread is not, I'm, I'm not exposing an opinion I have. I'm, I'm not talking, I'm not defending a point of view. I'm just explaining the undeniable fact that Palamism has been condemned as heretical by every Catholic, every scholastic Catholic theologian. Uh, and then when Father Caps responded to me, I, I was I was surprised by how many mistakes he made in his response. Like he he demonstrated very clearly that he has no idea about Scotism or, or the Franciscan view about the essence of God or, or the beatific vision. Right. Uh, I could quote a lot of examples, a lot, a lot of mistakes, a lot of very basic mistakes that he made. Um, in his letters, like, for example, he said that a real distinction according to the Franciscan tradition, uh, but not for the Dominican, uh, the, the real distinction requires, does not admit separability, right? So according to Kepps, uh, for the Franciscans, a real distinction does not admit separability, but for the Dominican, it does. And then he concludes that this implies that the expression real distinction are equivocal terms for both scholastic traditions. This is, this is completely absurd. This is a fallacy. And, and the premise that um, for the Franciscans, the real distinction does not admit separability, but the, for the Dominicans, it does, it, it's false. Um, and this is, this is a very basic mistake. This is a, a mistake that in, anyone that has read a Franciscan talking about this or a Dominican talking about this would know this is false. Right, because for example, for the Dominicans, there is no defined position on, on this topic. Right, uh, Domingo Banez in his commentary on Prima Pars, in his Scholastica commentary, he uh, he explains how the Dominicans are divided about this, how the Thomists are divided about this. 
two examples of two opposing views would be um, Soto, who in his commentary on the sentences, he defends that a real distinction does imply a separability, but Cajetan um, does not defend that. He's, he claims that a real distinction uh, does not necessarily mean that um, two things are separable, right? If, if two things are really distinct, this is not, it doesn't mean that these two things are separable. And later, later followers of Cajetan, like Didacus Massey, would, they developed this concept a lot. Um, for example, he distinguishes two kinds of real distinctions, metaphysical real distinctions and physical real distinctions. Uh, and physical real distinctions do require separability, but metaphysical real distinctions don't. Um, right? So, like, there is no defined position among Dominicans and Thomists for this topic. Uh, and Caps is wrong to say that there is a Dominican position about this. And he's claimed that according to the Franciscan tradition, a real distinction does not admit separability is completely false. If you read any Franciscan, um, any like any manual written by a Franciscan talking about the essence, uh, essence and existence the distinction, they will argue against the essence and existence real distinction by saying that they are not separable, right? Um, John Betta, in his commentary on Aristotle's metaphysics, he, he uses the argument against Cajetan. And any, basically every other Franciscan follows, follows John Betta on this. They, they believe that a real distinction does require separability. And since essence and existence are not separable, um, they are not really distinct. So like this kind, in Father Caps, he, he makes like those mistakes very frequently. There, there are lots and lots of those kind of mistakes that uh, make like, it seems that he doesn't, he has no clue at all what he's talking about. Um, and for another example would be like, he said that I am claiming that Scotists are heretics because they are like Joubert de la Prey and Palamites are heretics because they are like Joachim de Fury. This is completely false. Um, you can take uh, the Franciscans the, and the Scotists that I list on my thread and they argue against the Palamites by citing... Uh, by citing the condemnation to Joaquin de Fiore and uh, Gilbert de la Perée, like Juan de Consuegra, who was a, a Franciscan and a Scotist, he condemns the Palamites using that condemnation. And Josefo Turing, who was also a, a Franciscan and a Scotist, and he cites precisely the condemnations of uh, Gilbert de la Perée and, and Joaquin de Fiore to condemn them. Uh, and, and say that Palamites, pa, the Palamite the, uh, theology is, con is to be considered heretical according to Catholic theology, right? So now going out to, to Cap's view on, on beatific vision, I haven't watched the video uh, in its entirety uh, that uh, Wagner is commenting on, but I, I read an article, um, my father Caps, and, and one a, a very important point that Caps makes during the article is that According to Benedict, uh, in Benedict XII's definition of beatific vision, 
there is no definition, no precise definition of what intuitive vision of God uh, means, right? And therefore, um, you can kind of twist the words and, and then come to the conclusion that the Palamite view can be acceptable as long as you interpret that intuitive vision as meaning through the through the energies. Um, but this is completely false because Benedict the Twelve defines uh, in that document in Benedictus Deus what um, what intuitive vision of God's essence means. Um, I'll take for example. I will I will cite here a Scotist, a Franciscan called Joseph uh, Arcangelo, who wrote a a course of theology. Uh, and he comments on this, and he defines the, the terms in a, in a very precise way, and Benedict XII uh, follows, follows him precisely. Um, so Yosefo says the following, quote, There are two kinds of vision, one corporeal, one intellectual. Um, and the first definition is, corporeal vision is the action of the bodily eye, which apprehends an external body. The second definition is, intellectual vision is the action of the mind, which is spiritual, perceives what is abstract. And here the theologians distinguish abstractive vision and intuitive vision. The third definition is abstractive vision, um, which is that by which one object is known to someone through another object as a medium. Um, it is this kind of uh, vision that the apostle has in mind in Romans 1.20, when he says, through creation, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature are clearly seen. Um, and the fourth definition is intuitive vision, which is that by which the object is immediately known in itself as it is face to face. Right. So this is what Yosef, uh, who's a Scotus and a Franciscan, um, this is how he defines intuitive vision and abstractive vision. Um, this is this is very very clear for anyone familiar with uh, scholastic psychology. That these terms are they are very clearly defined. Intuitive vision is when an object is immediately known in itself, and abstractive vision is when an object is known to someone through another object as a medium. Yeah, um, yeah. One's going to be dimensive, uh, uh, sort not dimensive, um, discursive reasoning, um, sort of abstracting from premise to conclusion. Because th this this word intuitive, um, although uh, the, the same exact. Terminology isn't used in, by Saint Thomas. Uh, intu intuitiva, intuiti. Yes, exactly Latin word, but isn't used by Saint Thomas. But similar uh, language and concepts are used when he talks about uh, the mode of angelic intellection, because it's going to be something which is without discursive reasoning. Right. So uh, here I quoted the precise words of a Scotus, a Franciscan. Right. But this definitions they are. They coincide with any definition given by a Dominican or a Jesuit. Oh, and by the way, Josefo, um, right after that, when he is listing the errors regarding the beatific vision, he says that among the the heretics are the anthropomorphists, the some Gentiles, Palamites, and the Armenians. So, 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 what do you what do you think about what do you think about the idea that the Franciscan um, that that there is some sort of Franciscan school uh, that is separate from the Thomas when it comes to the object of the beatific vision that we can uh, kind of fit Palamas into. 
or Palamas. Well, it's it's completely ridiculous to try to fit Palamas among um, among the Franciscans. It, it makes no sense at all. Every single Franciscan that ever commented on Palamas was to condemn his views. It's completely absurd to say that uh, the Franciscan view can be somehow that, that, that Palamas can be reconciled with the Franciscans. Like Josefo Turing, a Franciscan, mentioned Palamas in his Dissertatius Cotu Theologica Dogmaticus Classica, and, and he claims Palamas was a heretic who, when the consegra another Franciscan, a Scotist, in his cursus, he says that the Palamites monks made an insurrection against the eternity of God. Josefo, uh, that I just quoted, says that uh, Palamas, the Palamites are a, one of the group of heretics that deny the Catholic doctrine of the intuitive vision of the essence of God. So it's completely ridiculous to try to fit in Palamas among them. Oh, yeah, you, you uh, have one that you sent and, in, the, in the Discord, uh, Thuring. Palamas' yeah. sentence of a real distinction among God's essence and his operations is a foolish and impious error. Yes. Uh, yeah, so those definitions that I gave from Josefo, they are precisely the same definitions given by any other theologian. You can pick, for example, um, a Jesuit, um, Joseph Monchai. Um, he also defines, he, he when he's commenting on beatific vision, he defines the terms in the exact same way. And if you go to Benedict XII's um, Benedictus Deus, and you read what he says about intuitive vision, he defines it precisely like those scholastics. He says, uh, quote, these souls have seen and see the divine essence with an intuitive vision and even face to face without the mediation of any creature by way of object of vision. Rather, the divine essence immediately manifests itself to them plainly, clearly, openly. Yeah, so, and he keeps going. So it's precisely the same definition. There's there's no doubt about it. And, and every single Catholic theologian, every scholastic that commented on, on this on this uh, on this question on, on the Palamite view of the beatific vision was to condemn Palamas, right? I can cite Gotti, um, who I also cited on, on my thread on Twitter, who was a Dominican atomist. He was highly respected. He almost became Pope. Um, he's one of the greatest Thomists of all time, and he lists among the error uh the error of the of the greeks who was um created by gregory palamas uh, and then he he explains the error of palamas and contrasts it with the catholic belief that the created intellect can see the lumen gloria and um in fact sees the essence of god in itself um also of course batavius um a classic example of a Catholic theologian who um, explains the Palamite theology um, in depth and condemns Palamas as a heretic. And he even says that, um, he says the following quote, um, among those who openly defended the, that the divine nature cannot be seen as it is in itself, even by the blessed souls, we have those old thinkers um, who asserted either obscurely or more clearly, as I showed above. And we have, of more recent memory, the Greeks and the Armenians. Uh, concerning both, Richard Rolf, Archbishop of Armagh, 
is a witness in book 14 of the Armenian question chapter, first chapter. Among the Greeks, Gregory Palamos was the most vigorous defender, defender of, this fact, of this faction in his um, novelty and was their Corypheus, um, whose history in ridiculous dogmatic theology, I describe it in the first book of this work, right? So, uh, and Petavius later, he, later on, he contrasts the Palamite view with the Catholic theology of an intuitive vision of the essence of God against the Palamite um, notion of the beatific vision. Um, and also Perone, very, very interestingly, Perone, who is a very known theologian, uh, in his De Deo Creatore, he says the following, quote, The blessed in the supernatural heaven see the essence of God intuitively. And then he keeps going, This article of faith was defined by the Council of Florence in Acts 22. And the same was also defined by Benedict XII. I put this thesis forward against the Palamites, who claim that the blessed uh, do not see God as he is in, him, in, in himself, nor in his essence, nor supernaturally, but abstractively, right? So here is a Catholic theologian citing Benedict XII and the Council of Florence against the Palamites. And every theologian that comments on this uh, does the same. Bilwar in his Summa Summae, he, he says the following, I say, that the created intellect and, intellect and see God supernaturally as he is in himself. This is against the Palamites and the Armenians, and against them, it was defined in the Council of Florence in the decree of union given to the Armenians that the souls which are purged in heaven intuitively, uh, which are purged, see um, God intuitively as he is in, in himself in heaven, three in one as he is. The same is defined by Benedict XII, right? So every Catholic theologian who interpreted this document by Benedict XII interpreted um, as a condemnation of the view of the Armenians and the Pal and the Palamites that uh, we did not see intuitively the essence of God in heaven, right? So there is uh, absolutely no doubt about this interpretation. Um, you can take any book on the theological loci, like um, Milkorkanos. Uh, book or Perone's book, they will all always say that uh, the consensus among the schoolmen it, um, provides a theologically certain argument. Yes. Um, so this is this is there. There's no doubt about this interpretation of Benedict XII's uh, document. It is it is a defined thing within Catholicism. Okay. Um, so so Bessarion, uh, Benedictus Intellectus, which is our common friend. He said the caps will refer that they didn't have good texts of Palamas, who usually out on things like that, or will say Palamas wasn't clear enough in his terms. And what would, okay, so my, my initial thought, uh, Bessarian, is that we may yeah, actually is... consider, because this is exactly what uh, the Jansenists did when they tried to defend their error and said that Jansenius uh, actually wasn't a heretic. So we could, could we consider um, the condemnations, such as from, um, who, who was it, uh, Benedict XIV? Um, could could we say, and then also Benedict the the twelfth, at least the SDS says in a different document, um, could could we say that that would be a a certain dogmatic fact um, that is being brought forward? Well, so for, first of all, it's completely false that um, the those altars that I quoted didn't have uh, access to Palamas's work. Batavius quotes Palamas a lot. Batavius was able to read Greek. Uh, Frenzelin, who who also says. A lot of things against Palamas. He 
was able to read Greek. Uh, they cite the original works of Palamas directly. They mention where they find the works of Palamas. Uh, Natalis Alexander also quotes Palamas directly. Uh, the, the works of Palamas, they, they were present among, among, among these classics uh, in, in Greek. They were able to read Greek. Um, so, like, there, there's no doubt that they they were able to access uh, Palamas' original writings and uh, analyze it. Um, right. So, yeah. What, what what was the other question again? Sorry. Oh, it, it's usually or that he wasn't uh, he wasn't clear enough in his terms. Yeah, Palamas was was obscure in his in his theology certainly, and he didn't think as clearly as in scholastic would think because of course the scholastics had a very precisely defined um set of words and expressions to use and and, and um explain what kind of distinction exists among um any two objects right palamas did didn't have um a very precise um set set of words to use Right, but um, in, in any case, the the scholastic terms are very clearly defined. Right, we have a real distinction being very clearly defined, uh, which is, of course, um, oh, by the way, um, when Cap says that two, the, the the expression "real distinction" was defined equivocally among Dominicans and Franciscans, it is uh, it, it it is a of course, a fallacy because uh, since if the Dominicans and Franciscans they do not have the same understanding of how they do not have the same understanding of how uh, two really distinct objects interact. Like according to him, Franciscans believe that they do not require separability. Uh, it doesn't mean that they are equivocal, right? Because otherwise, like if we have different concepts. Uh, different consequences of a definition. It doesn't mean that the, the term is equivocal. Like, for example, uh, Dominicans and Franciscans, they certainly believe in the same God. Uh, but it's not because the Franciscans believe that uh, the attributes of God are formally distinct and the Dominicans believe they are virtually distinct, that they believe in different gods, right? It's, it doesn't mean that the word God is equivocal, right? Um, mm -hmm. So... Uh, so Caps commits a fallacy when he says that it should mean that these two, that um, the word the, the expression "real distinction" is equivocal for Dominicans and, and Franciscans. So, so Basarian, and, uh, would would you say there's besides the the discussion I brought up when it came to the uh, necessary, uh, essential, primary object of the beatific vision? Would you say there is even any uh, debate when it comes to the object of the beatific vision? He was making it sound like. You had some uh, it, the an extreme uh, Franciscan party, a Scotistic party, a moderate Franciscan party, a, and then you had Not. the evil Thomas who were <laughs> lobbing lobbing arrows of heresy and wanted to burn him at the stake. Um, so, so is is that even fair? Because I haven't seen anybody discuss anything except what I just brought up when it came no, to not uh, at all. Like, I I read a lot of Franciscans. I I, I am very interested in in reading. Um, Scotus, I, I, I love the Scotus theology. I, I'm not a Scotist, but I, I love reading Scotus. I, I read a lot of Scotists, a lot of old dogmatic um, 
treatises written by Scotus, scholastic treatises written by Scotus. And I have never seen such a distinction that Caps makes among an extreme Franciscan party and a moderate Franciscan party. It makes no sense at all. Um, they are they are all unanimous in condemning Palamism. Every Franciscan that talks about Palamas is to condemn him, uh, never to say, oh, wait, maybe this guy is, is right in some points. Maybe he can, we can reconcile our, uh, our view with his. Um, yeah, so there is no such a distinction that Caps makes. So when it comes to the specific note that's given, the, the theological note that's given, concerning the object being the essence so uh however you want to i will you want to i will would, would, is that day would you say i it's have day to fide? go uh, oh you have to yeah, go but, one one yeah, last it question is. would you see it's day fide divina uh, at yeah. catholica or how would you give the yes that? certainly yes it's the fide divina catholica yes no there's there's no doubt about it um any treatise written about um the development of of dogmas any author who talked about the development of dogmas like uh Maureen sola or salavahi or, or kartikini any of those authors would, would certainly say that the definition um in this topic is is dogmatic and defeated it can't be denied without heresy so yeah okay thank you basarian all right thank you so much i will talk to you later okay it's Go just off, day, uh, bro he went off he I went off, that. bro. That was a go off moment. Yeah, and I that I was, by the way, just it. letting you know, that was a 30 minute long go off moment. Really? Wow. So, yes. I, um, and everybody listening, um, I'm going to, in, in the description below, you're going to have Basarian's thread on this on Palamas being called a heretic uh, by Catholic theologians. So, make sure you go there, uh, read that if you want all of the sources. Make sure you give Basarian a follow. Uh, I know he doesn't post as much as he used to, but he has some really good threads uh, that you all check uh, check out. But we are going to, after that uh, brief intercession, we are going to continue on. Do you have anything to say, Dende? No, I'm I'm actually um I'm actually impressed because he brought more things than he was planning, which is crazy. <laughs> There you go. Okay, I think so. Next, um, I, I don't think I even need to cover uh, how how there's that Franciscan um, view because as we as we've ex- established, um, the Franciscans weren't debating over what the object of the division was. They were debating about um, primary and secondary um, and then necessary objects and, and and stuff like that. But they they were not debating over whether uh, we saw the uh the relations which are going to be the the persons of the trinity in it or whether we just see the essence abstracted or whether we see the energies that, that's not how that's not what they were debating at all but uh in if you want to read for yourself it's in i, I was i was actually correct no no i was wrong uh, it's going to be in his ordinatio uh, book one distinction one question two and i have a little uh quote from here so as to this article, I say that speaking about the absolute power of God, there seems to be no contradiction in the possibility that on the part of the intellect and on the part of the will, the act of each be terminated by the essence and not by the person or terminated by one person, not another to wit that the intellect see the essence and not the person or to see one person and not another and that the will enjoy the essence and not the person or enjoy one person and not another. So obviously 
SCOTUS isn't here saying, oh, actually, you only see one person, or actually, you see the essence abstracted from the persons, or actually, you don't see the essence and you only see the persons. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying uh, he, he is writing about the possibility of what might be done. Um, so this is this is really a theoretical question that he's asking himself about how the what what is necessary for the beatific vision. It's 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 dead obvious if you read the article. Um, if you if you just uh, actually I did uh, I did print this. So if you get um, let me grab this volume two of the Ordinatio that I've edited um, on enjoyment. It's in here. Uh, distinction one question two. So if you read that, it's it's pretty obvious that it's it's talking about a possibility and not some sort of uh, actuality that's going. So that's going to clear up that. And then to, to finish off, I want to watch another like two minutes of this and then talk about uh, intuitive a bit and kind of explain a bit what Viserion was getting at. Okay, so everybody is, oh, Dende is gay. Oh, rip. Trolled, then they's trolled. Okay. Wait, uh, what? What happened? Uh, bes- uh, no, uh, this guy, whoever he is, um, said that Dende is gay. Oh, I wonder, I wonder who that is. I have no idea. I don't know who that is either. I wonder. Is the discussion of the I'm put it back like 10 seconds? Uh, uh seem to be a very diverse language from what Palamas is doing. Now, what I will say is this, is the discussion of the beatific vision in the West is oftentimes overlooked because when I believe it's, what is it, Benedict Twelfth and uh, Benedictus Deus, is that right? Yes, that's correct. Uh, he say he has this strange non-Thomistic language when he talks about seeing God and it's intuitive, which is... Wait, this guy wrote a journal article on Benedictus Deus and he just asked Michael Lofton if he got the name right? <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm not going to ignore it. I'm just going to ignore it. Because when I believe it's, what is it, Benedict Twelfth and uh, Benedictus Deus, is that right? Yes, that's correct. Uh, he say he has this strange non-Thomistic language when he talks about seeing God, and it's intuitive, which is intuitive. If you've done any, any studies in medieval studies or uh, the, the history of metaphysics in the West, the whole idea of intuitive knowledge of the divine uh, essence is totally non uh, I've looked for the word intuere and intuitive in Thomas. I think I found the verb, not the intuitive. The verb maybe two or three times. So what we're talking about is a 14th century expression of Benedict XII, who claims that we see the, the essence of God intuitively, uh, which does not commit us, in my mind, to some uh, very, very stringent notion of what even that beatific vision is. Is it possible to make room for a Franciscan, a very extreme Franciscan position on the beatific vision, even that goes beyond SCOTUS? I would say yes, because that we, we, we simply haven't had a historical study to show us if there is a text upon which Benedict XII is restricting the sense of the beatific vision to meaning only something like what Thomas Aquinas would argue. Can I can I interject here? Oh no! Literally, literally, like five, like ten seconds left. Like Thomas. Okay. Aquinas. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you you would then it sounds like you would say that the Eastern tradition here and the um, Catholic traditions can be traditions. Well, they can be reconciled if you say, is there a Catholic position that can be reconciled with? What is the predominant orthodox position? Yes. Mm-hmm. If you're asking me as a dogmatic theologian, pro- provided that we all accept that every autocephalous orthodox church and orthodoxy today uh, would embrace as an official policy Palamism as the only... Okay, yeah, I guess we can just stop there. Okay. Okay. So intuitive. Is it, is it okay if I uh, kind of go in a little bit and... Or no, do you want to do this? 
Oh, uh, go and do what? Well, I was Leave? I was just gonna point out. Uh, no, I was just gonna oh. point out a few errors that he made. Actually. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So one error is that he states that like we really don't know what is meant by intuitive, which as as has been demonstrated obviously by uh, the people here, that's completely false. But even if we didn't really know what he meant by intuitive, like let's say he was using a vague like word, okay? Let's just say, for example, Caps is right and he's being very vague. Well, then after the fact, like when when you have a, a bunch of theologians that are talking about what is meant here, you have to take their position. Even if you think that that's a vague like wording there and you don't know what it really means, um, the theologians that are commenting on that document and they're all agreeing on it have the proper interpretation and you would have to hold to that view. You can't deviate from that view of the document. It's, it's not acceptable. And then he goes on to say, actually, it's okay to reconcile the majority opinion of the Orthodox, which is the real distinction between essence and energies. So they're okay to reconcile the majority position with the Catholic faith, which is completely wrong. That's erroneous, and it's actually dangerous to people. Like, you would be denying dogmas by doing that, okay? You can go now. I'm sorry. Okay, no, 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 you're good. So uh, what I I have Benedictus Deus up right now, and then obviously, as I said before, um, gosh, this is a really long run-on sentence. This is like massive sentence but uh have seen and see the divine essence by intuitive vision and even face to face with no mediating creature serving the capacity of an object seen but divine essence immediately revealing itself plainly clearly and openly to them and seeing thus they enjoy the same divine essence and also that from such vision enjoyment their souls which now have departed are truly blessed and have eternal life and rest so that's the uh that's what they're getting um in, in a in a little discussion about it says intuitive vision. So it's clear from the uh, from the context. If you um, go on further, uh, it says, and that such vision of the divine essence and its enjoyment makes void the acts of faith and hope in them. So what's what's happening here is that intuitive vision uh, up there. I, you can't see my screen, but up like a sentence before is being compared with acts of faith and hope, which that intuitive vision are making void. So what is, what is going on here? So the differences between faith and hope and then intuitive vision is that faith and hope are, are things which are done through a, um, through certain, through certain mediating objects. So, uh, through, through the, the let's say the the voice of a preacher um, is in, in contemplating these various uh, articles of faith being presented before you 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 assent with the assent of faith and then um, the various doctrines which inspire hope um, you you may have hope in God so there's there's some sort of mediating object so what intuitive means is intuitive and Saint Thomas uh, uses similar language in um, in Summa Contra Gentiles for the way in which we do not know God in this life, but the way in which um, the angels know. So that's the prologue to Summa Contra Gentiles book four. That's where he uses intuitively. Intuitive is compared with faith and hope, and intuitive is also compared with the uh, the 
process of discursive reasoning, wherein we reason from the objects in front of us to gain some sort of knowledge of God uh, through the uh, the way of eminence, um, the analogous way, and then the negative way. So all all, all intuitive means is that uh, without discursive reasoning, um, we we are able to uh, we are able to see God. That that's what intuitive vision means. So to, to pretend, and, and this honestly is was the most confusing part uh, of, of this to me, to pretend that a description of the mode of the subject knowing. So this isn't even talking about the object. So I, I have no idea uh, why this is even relevant in the discussion of the object of the beatific vision. So a certain description of the mode of the subject knowing allows the like, just the... I don't even know how, like the the spaceship of Palamism to just get squeezed in into the tiny needle hole of Catholic theology. Like how 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 are you squeezing Palamism into a specific description about the mode of the subject knowing, where you haven't been able to find the source that he was running off of? Um, I, I I don't know. I, Dende, do you, can can you understand uh, what what would be going on here? How how this even follows? I don't understand how the argument even works. Um, no, I don't. No, know what he not means. not at all. So, uh, and then he, this same idea actually of intuitive vision. Oh, you gotta mute. Okay, good. You muted yourself. So the same idea of intuitive vision is uh, in Prima Pars, question twelve, article ten. I'm going to bring that up real quick. The, the same idea of intuitive vision is obviously present. It's not present in so many words, but it doesn't need to be present in so many words. Uh, it's some like weird sort of philological analysis of, um, of origin texts. This is extremely weird. Um, in Catholic theology, we work on the level of, of truth and not necessarily uh, who has uh, not necessarily uh, some sort of, uh, and I know I, I hate using this word in this way, but some sort of, uh, Think of the way that uh, nominalism is thought of by your average, uh, your average um, Twitter uh, tradcath. That that's the way in which it's it's being used here. Some sort of like weird nominalism that's going on here with uh, being obsessed with uh, the the definitions about specific words rather than the realities which they are signs signifying. It's very weird. Okay, so um, same idea. You're you're going to see it right away uh, when I when I read this. Uh, right here. It's in the Respondeo. The question is whether those who see the essence of God see all they see in at the same time. So I answer that what is seen in the word is not successively, but at the same time, in proof whereof we ourselves cannot know many things all at once, for as much as we understand many things by means of many ideas. That our intellect cannot be informed by many diverse ideas at the same time, so as to understand uh, by them as one body cannot bear different shapes simultaneously. Hence, when many things can be understood by one idea, they are understood at the same time, as the parts of the whole are understood successively, and not all at the same time, if each one is understood by its own idea. Whereas, uh, if all are understood under the one idea of the whole, they are understood simultaneously. Now it was shown above that things seen in God are not seen singly by their own similitude, but all are seen by the one essence of God. Hence, they are seen simultaneously and not successively. This is what this is what intuitive vision is talking about. That is 
that that's that's all there is. Um, so if you want to if you want to check that out, th this is the same idea as being expressed of intuitive vision. So I'm going to stop sharing that real quick. So when you go through the the history of the interpretations of intuitive vision, what you have to understand when you get to these um, scholastic writers, something they like to do, and this is uh, famous in the STS, they have uh, an entire section where they do this. Something like they like to do is to um, define terms. They'll have a thesis, and then they'll have a section where they define the terms of that thesis. So we have plenty of, of works from Catholic theologians interpreting in their theses, uh, thesi, the, I don't know what the plural of these, theses, oh, it would be theses. In their theses on the beatific vision, when they mention intuitive vision, they have entire sections where they're defining what they mean by intuitive vision. And this is through hundreds of different authors you can look at. And all of them, it's basically how St. Thomas defined it in Super Contra Gentiles. Um, it's basically how I just described it. It's the context, as Bessarion brought up and as I just brought up, the context of the statement of Benedictus Deus. It's not, it's just a certain mode of the subject knowing. Um, it, it would be a fallacy um, to, to say anything else um, it, because uh, intuitive is often taken in a, in a sort of weird sense when it comes to uh, how we're thinking about the way in which um, God is known in this world. But uh, an example is found, I just found a random one of the Catholic Encyclopedia. Hence, its natural knowledge of God is necessarily immediate and analogous since it forms its ideas and judgments about God after an imperfect likeness with its own self and surroundings bear to him. Such is the only means nature offers for inquiring a knowledge of God, and more than this is not due to any created intellect. Consequently, a, the second and essentially higher way of seeing God by intuitive vision can be a gratuitous, gratuitous gift of divine goodness. So it's the way of knowing God um, by grace, uh, by well, by glory, versus the way of knowing God um, in, in our natural modes of knowing. It, that that's the that's the distinction being made, and there's nothing more than this. And then, um, uh, Paul has a whole section. Uh, he just has a whole section where he describes, and I'll, I'll just read a short part of this. The expression intuitive vision of God is based on a metaphor which likens the human intellect to the eye. Bodily vision has two peculiarities. First, the eye sees a material object immediately. And second, it perceives it clearly and distinctly. Analogously, we may say that the intuitive vision of God means first that we know him immediately without depending on the created universe as a medium or mirror. Remember, not through any medium. This is right in Benedictus Deus. And secondly, that our knowledge of him is clear and distinct, an apprehension in the proper sense of the word. The quality corresponding in God to our intuitive vision of him is his visibility, which some dogmaticians treat as a separate divine attribute. Okay. So, and then, um, actually, uh, Scotus himself uh, defines intuitive vision, which is very interesting. And it's is knowledge precisely of a present object as present and of an existing, existing object as existing. So it's a present object as present rather than through the various uh, modes of analogous reasoning whereby we, um, we may know God in this world. So very clear. Uh, there's really no, um, no debate on this. Uh, I'm, I'm really not sure uh, why it even matters. But um, I finally found actually a last text by a man named um, Dal, Dal Gairns. Dal Gairns. 
while I was uh, flipping through archive.org, and he's a mid-19th century Jesuit writing a certain work on the sacraments. And he has a whole appendix on how um, the word intuitive is used. So I'm going to share my notes right now where I have this section. Okay. There we go. Um, I need hardly say that I use the word intuition in the modern and not in the scholastic sense. I'm quite aware that the schoolmen seem to restrict it to an immediate knowledge of an object resulting from its presence. So that's what that's his definition he gives right off the bat. Thus, the beatific vision is called visio intuitiva because it is the vision of God himself immediately presenting to the soul in heaven. The word is also applied to our perceptions of sensible objects. Thus, Durandus uh, defines uh, cognitio uh, intuitiva to be that which tends immediately to a thing that is objectively present. So it accordingly uh, to its actual existence, as when I see a color existing on a wall or a rose, which I hold in my hand. Abstractive. So again, this is the discursive we talked about. Abstractive is called any knowledge that is found in a thing not really present in its nature of the object immediately known. As far as I'm aware, it is only sometimes in St. Thomas, as quoted above, and in writers of the mystical schools, that the word is used in a wider sense, like that which it is now used and applied to all immediate knowledge, whether resulting from the presence of the object or not, as, for instance, the knowledge of first principles. Thus, Thomas of Jesus says, The intellectual power, insofar as it is called discursive, is called reason, insofar as it has a simple intuitive apprehension is called intellectual it goes on to give instances of this intuitive faculty in remarkable words of secundum so this is um, according to saint thomas in prima pars uh, question 79 article 12 in the speculative reason there's a created habit of the soul by which the first principles naturally understand in speculative terms without discursive knowledge soon become known to it from the principle uh, principles reason proceeds to the knowledge of conclusions so again, discursive. Such principles are these and the like. The whole is greater than its parts and in practical reason, but another habit is created in the soul by which it recognizes the first principles in human activity so that the good should be obeyed by God, the good preferable to the evil and so on. And this habit, according to Thomas, is called um, synderesis. Two things seem equally evident from these passages. One, that the word intuition or kindred words are very rarely used by the schoolmen in the modern sense. The other, that the uh, existence of intuitive or even inferential ideas is inculcated by them. To prevent mistakes, the following observation should be added. One, the doctrine that the human mind possesses an intuition of the truth of the existence of God is widely different from the ontological theory of um, ontological theory, ontolog ontologism, I can never pronounce anything, means the denial of all ideas intermediate between God and the soul. Intuition, on the contrary, implies a faculty from which the mind, without uh, deductive reasoning, elicits ideas which carry with them their own evidence. So again, um, it's becoming abundantly obvious, but I guess I'll just finish it up. 
I think it may be allowed that St. Thomas nowhere asserts and certainly seems to deny that the knowledge of the existence of God is intuitive, even in the modern sense. Three, I have not uh, suppressed what I have said in former editions about the intuitive knowledge of God, because the view is, as I've seen, uh, as, as far as I've known, a lawful one. It seems to be the theory that God exists is a self-evident proposition only clothed in modern language. Okay, so that is a brief study. Um, and then he goes on to quote other authors if you're interested. Um, so, yeah, when it comes to uh, intuitive knowledge, clearly it's uh, something contrasted with deductive, discursive or abstractive uh, knowledge. Not some I, I honestly I don't even get even if um, this wasn't used by Thomas, why this is just like a killer. Uh, because when he denies that God existing is a self-evident proposition, he's denying it according to um according to the um, our, our natural knowledge of him. But when it when it comes to, uh, in the last thing I'm going to say, this text becomes very important uh, when it comes to, as he uh, described, onto, ontolog Dende, do you remember how to pronounce that word, ontologism, ontologism? Ontologism, I believe. Ontologism. Okay, good, good. I can never pronounce anything. But when it comes to the condemnation of ontologism, uh, this text was brought up um, a lot, and it was and it was used actually to to condemn um, their theories. Uh, Benedictus Deus was because this type of intuitive vision only occurs in the beatific vision and isn't some sort of uh, first and primary uh, idea of being which is present in the mind of all of those um, existing in the world now. So uh, it it becomes in a sense. Um, uh, interpreted uh, by the magisterium and its condemnations of them. So I'm going to check the chat to see if you guys have any questions. And then if, if that is all, okay, let me go up a little bit. So I'm only going up to 707. So, well, well, before you, uh, before you go off, like after we answer the questions, uh, I think I should. I just wanted to say another thing after that, but that's all. Okay, that's fine. I think energies is a useless term in English, to be honest. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't get why that's used. But yes, pray for each other and pray for me that we will see the beatific vision, where we will see the essence of God. Um. They're all just kind of having a discussion in here. Okay. And Mathema. Um, yeah, the running analogy behind a in intuition is to look at something. The verb intuere means to look at something. It doesn't necessarily mean, uh, mean commonsensical, too easy to understand, i.e. you look or behold something as opposed to abstracting or use, doing discursive reasoning. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Uh, Palamas the Hellbound. Palamasi 
Hesiarch. Since the Eastern Catholics love to sing the anathema so much, they should be made to sing anathemas against their chief heretic, Palabas. So Dende, uh, you said you had some comments. Yeah, you're about to end the video, right? Or are we going to keep going on? No, if you have any, if you have any comments, uh, you can go ahead. Uh, yeah. Okay. So if it's if it's the end of the video, and I have to say this because we said it earlier, but we'll we'll have to say it again. Um, the only reason that we're able to do this is because of, as you know, uh, and as all of uh, your followers know. Thomas Aquinas says that it's acceptable to respond to your superior in the case of heresy, or I guess this in this case we are practically certain uh, that he is saying something uh, dangerous or heretical. And so I just wanted to make sure that if anyone is going to watch this, that we don't approve of any uh, rash like attack of Father Caps or his person, because like we, we want to be respectful. Uh, he is a priest and he is, uh, a, a shepherd and, uh, you know, we, we have to be, we have to be respectable of that. Um, and so if Father Caps wanted to maybe respond to this, uh, as we have extended, um, our respect and, uh, our reproach of him, uh, and our reproach of what he believes, uh, we would also just like to, um, say that we are not trying to attack him or infuriate him. And so that way, if he wanted to have a discussion, uh, he uh, can do so. Um, and we can have a, we can have a, uh, like a normal discussion. If you, if you understand what I mean, that's all. Yeah. I just yeah. wanted to make sure, I just want to make sure fire, fiery things didn't start up because here's, here's the thing, right? Cause this is an opinion actually held by a lot of Eastern Catholics. And I think it's out of sugarcoating the dogmas so that they can be like, whoa, we're like Eastern Orthodox practically in communion with Rome, you know? So it's easier to accept being an Eastern Catholic. Um, and so I just hope that um, he, he, he takes this not as an attack on the person or an attack on the Eastern church, but really just an attack on the laxity or, or the, the lack of uh, safeguarding that the Eastern church is doing. We, we only do this because we love uh, Eastern Catholics, not because we want to disrespect them. That's all. Yeah, yeah. And then also another reason we're able to do this is because of patreon.com slash militant Thomist to where you, uh, I, I had the money to buy amazing Mike. I need, to, I need to fix the camera though. Camera is not too good. I need to upgrade with that. And then uh, everything I do. So appreciate, appreciate it if any of you go there because I will be actually doing more streams. Uh, just for patrons only and articles and stuff. So make sure you uh, sign up there. Or um, uh, if you uh, want a direct donation, uh, militantomist at gmail.com. That's my PayPal. So there you go. Um, do any of you plan to refute Dale Toggy? Who? Just joking. I know who he is. No, not really. Um, I'm more. I'm more of a anti because i feel like when it comes to refuting the unitarians it's kind of useless because the, the unitarians are usually like the unitarian universalists and they don't care about anything anyways so like kind of just seems to 
be a waste of time. But like arguing against Muslims on the Trinity, like they actually care. So it's actually uh, kind of fruitful, I think, to, to argue with them. Um, my position is Benedictus Deus is not only in harmony with Aquinas' formulation, but can even be argued that it is one-to-one, -one, which is why Father Caps really surprised me with his answer. Yeah, and he, even even then, I don't think this has anything to do uh, with the question at hand, which is the, the object of the beatific vision. So Muslims get their stuff from Tuggy. It's like when I saw uh, a Protestant <laughs> tweet that he... Did, did you see that, Dendi? A, uh, a Protestant was tweeting about how the neoscholastics were bad and he quoted Gilson and I was like, Oh no, the Protestants found Gilson. No. Yeah. Yeah. Owned. Owned. Okay. That's all. I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do yet tomorrow, but um, it will be something. I promise you. And remember it is Trinity tide. So we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity. Lord.